Good evening, and welcome to Omni, a love lair to the unexplained. I am your host, Joe, and joining me as always, the Bearcat, Keith. Hey guys, how's it going? We are actually going to do something a little different. We are going to be reading and discussing stories submitted to us by our listeners. Yeah, this is really exciting. These stories come from people who are near and dear to us, so it's really exciting to share kind of some of their experiences and share a little bit of their voice about what they've experienced yeah i'm really excited to talk about these stories i'll be honest the story i'm gonna read is what really made me interested in the paranormal and in monsters and really the moment we started this podcast i knew that i was going to tell this story eventually so i'm very happy that i get to read it today but before we do that we do have a bit of housekeeping to go over i do want to make a correction on last week's episode so I had said that Nutty Buddies were never Nutty Bars, but one of our listeners actually pointed it out to me that they were Nutty Bars for a while. So that was me overreacting and everyone else not correcting me. So this whole f- time I thought they were Nutty Nutty Buddies my whole life, but no, they were Nutty Bars for a while. I believe they changed in like the early 2000s. Well, that's news to me because I always assumed that they were nutty buddies for forever. So that's really interesting to kind of disprove one of those Mandela effect theories. Good information for the fans out there. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. I think what's nice is that when I fall on my face, which I do quite often on this show, that I'm not being cussed out yet. I know our listener base isn't large enough to really be malicious yet, but I'm sure we'll get there. And when we do, I'll be very happy. Yeah, it's a good thing to kind of bump for our own podcast, so to speak, that feel free to point us out if we do make a mistake. We are humble enough to make those corrections. And I think that's something that'll definitely set us apart from other podcasts. There's little to no ego in this podcast. We just 
want to make it the best possible and give the best information we have available. Yes, I agree completely. And speaking of ego, we have some fun stuff to talk about. The Patreon page is up and running. That is patreon.com slash oddity studios. And go on there and uh, we should have our tiers and what you will get from those tiers up by the time this episode airs. And even more ego. We have solidified and planned out our solo endeavors on this show. Once again, I will be doing a podcast that examines Muppet movies and other Muppet-related media called Puppet Modcast. And we will share a 30-second clip of that show later on in this episode. Yep, and absolutely. And we do have a teaser coming up for my solo podcast as well. I think we'll probably drop that maybe into the next episode. But my podcast will be based around the genre of horror itself, examining some of my personal favorite movies, listeners submitted recommendations of movies, and just kind of talking about the genre as a whole and why it is so important to people who are horror fans. So keep your ears open for that. That will be called The Maniacal Midnight Movie Massacre, and I'm really excited about it. And Joe, I know you're really excited about your your Muppet podcast, and I'm excited to hear about it because I'm a huge fan of the Muppets as well. And like I said last episode, I, I do have a very healthy respect and fear for the Muppets. If they ever gain sentience, we should prepare ourselves for all-out war. Again, it just makes me think about the movie, The Happy Time Murders, and just imagining humans living side by side with Muppets just cracks me up and it's just so silly and I love it. With that, we are going to get things started. If you do want to contact us, please go ahead and email us at podcast at oddity.studio. You can also contact us on Twitter at oddity2. That's oddity T-O, like Terrell Owens. But I think with that, we're going to move into the listener submitted stories with a really good one from one of Keith's close friends. Yeah, I'm really excited about this story. This comes from a good friend of mine by the name of Ashley, and she did submit this story via our email, like Joe said. So if you have any stories, please do that. We'd like to do a couple of these episodes per season. Now, without further ado, I will dive into this. Now, a little background. Ashley is from the same hometown I am, Decatur, Illinois, which is notorious for being haunted and having a lot of supernatural occurrences. There's been speculation that there's some sort of, for lack of a better term, hellmouth or something underneath Decatur because of all of the crazy things that have happened there. I'm talking about mob hits. It was a mob dumping ground, but just a lot of really, really crazy things have happened in that town. So many experiences that she had in a house in the Elwyn Blacktop region, which is about three miles south of Decatur. She was about 14 or 15 years old. And I was home alone after school one day, just waiting for one of my parents to come home and ironically watching Ghost Hunters. Well, in between the scenes, I kept hearing what sounded like talking coming from one of the other back bedrooms. At first, I just brushed it off like it was coming from the TV or I'm just hearing things. But the more I listened, the more I heard. So I decided to pause the TV and just wait. I heard what sounded like two men and a woman having a conversation. I said, hello? And they continued to talk. I said, hello, a couple more times before I decided to make my way down the hallway to check this out. Maybe there was a radio on or something. 
I get about halfway down the hallway when I hear plain as day a man say, shh, shh, she's coming. I got to the bedroom door and it was slightly cracked open. And as soon as I reached for the doorknob, the door slammed shut and I heard a click. I tried the knob and the door was locked. That door locks from the inside of the bedroom. So I get chills all over my body and I heard what sounded like somebody walking around. And I said, open this door. And not even 10 seconds later, I heard a click and I was able to open the door. As soon as I walked in the room, I smelled a heavy smell of cigar smoke and roses. I truly felt like I disrupted an important meeting or something because the energy in the room felt so heavy as I just stood there trying to figure out what had just happened to me. Ooh, I like that. That's your classic ghost story right there. I really do enjoy that she was able to get all that detail, remember all that detail. It is, it's super classic though. That that's, that's really what I like about it. You hear the footsteps, the door click, you can hear them talking. What is different about though is the ghost being aware that you're there. If it is a ghost and not just two people that snuck into the house to smoke cigars and have roses everywhere while talking about something. Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty by-the-books ghost encounter, in my opinion. And like you said, I think it, it falls a little bit more into the realm of an intelligent haunting because the spirits were aware of her. Now, it could fall into that realm, but it, it could also be a residual haunting as well. That meeting was playing out sometime in the past, and then somebody just like my friend Ashley had interrupted that meeting, and then the meeting ended abruptly. So it can go either way, but I want to lean a little bit more towards the intelligent haunting, especially with the command of open this door and then the door opens. So just a really crazy, incredible story. But like I said, I mean, these kind of stories are very, very common in Decatur, Illinois. And I'm sure that a lot of my friends will be sending more of these. And I'm really excited to hear about them. Yeah, definitely. This story kind of reminds me of those haunted white house stories you know the ones where they're like oh yeah the white house is haunted and like you'll walk around you can hear like some people claim to hear abraham lincoln talking or they'll just hear people walking around upstairs and hear talking in rooms and doors will be closing it reminds me of that like those like the white house haunted being haunted or even like just old colonial houses being haunted you'll see people in mirrors doors will slam you'll just hear chitter chatter people having normal conversations i think it does feed into i've had this theory and i've said it a few times here but ghosts aren't actually spirits but it's the past catching up with us briefly and i think it very well could have been a case where the past had caught up to us briefly and like you had said they were interrupted by a woman or a girl that was like your friend Ashley. And once she said open the door, the last bit of time they had was the door opening and then they went back to their current timeline. Yeah, that's an extremely interesting theory and I, I really love that. Now, another theory that I had is shared in the movie The Others. Now, in that film, I can't remember the name of the main character, but her and her kids are just plagued by supernatural events and occurrences. 
But the twist in the movie is actually that the, the mother and the two children are the ghosts and the people that they're experiencing are the people who are living in modern times and are inhabiting the house. So it's a really, really interesting theory that maybe time is a lot more fluid than we think and we are interacting, we are living in a similar timeline and sometimes we're able to bleed over into those other timelines. Just, it's something that makes makes my head spin to think about. Yeah. I like that there are movies we can always reference for this kind of stuff. I feel like that's the best way to rationalize this stuff sometimes is to just find a movie that makes the most sense and run with it. Yeah, it really is. I mean, that that for me helps me reconcile a lot of things like this. I think if there was a ghost encounter that resembled the movie Batman Forever, I'd be set for life. I could definitely stand Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones haunting my house as Two-Face and the Riddler. Since this episode might run a little shorter than usual, usual, let's actually talk about Batman Forever for just a second here. Because I'm currently in an argument about interior decoration with my fiance. And I want to buy a movie poster for Batman Forever. And I want to frame it and line the frame with green LED lights. And I think it's going to look freaking awesome, but she is adamantly against it. She doesn't even, like, she says I watch the movie too often. I've seen it two times in the last year. I don't, I don't understand how that's too often, but this is important stuff. I want that damn poster. If you look at that movie just on paper, you got Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, Val Kilmer, Nicole Kidman. I mean, that movie is a powerhouse of a movie. And I think it gets a lot more flack and a lot more hate than it really deserves. Because that movie at the time was probably the pinnacle of comic book movies. You got to remember, whenever we were growing up, comic book movies were notoriously just trash, but just absolute hot garbage. And then you had the Batman movie, that stood on its own. Batman Returns stood on its own. Credit to Tim Burton. And then all of a sudden you have Joel Schumacher who is kind of dumped into this world of everyone is used to this dark, gritty, gothic Batman, but he wants to switch it up a little bit and bring a little bit of the comic book to it. And I think he did that really well with the, all the bright colors, especially that neon green that you're talking about. And then also a really interesting choice to make Two-Face kind of have a purple face for his alter ego. I think that was really interesting. There's there's just a lot to that movie that a lot of people overlook. And I mean, we I'd be remiss if I didn't mention A Kiss from a Rose by Seal. That song is still a banger to this day. Yeah, I was about to say, I think Batman Forever gets a lot of flack because people lump it in with Batman and Robin, which was objectively a bad movie. I think it's also a problem that Batman Returns was incredibly strong and it was dark and it was emotional. You had Michael Keaton's Batman. Danny DeVito's Penguin was absolutely top-notch. Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Like, that was a very well-done, dark, gothic, really emotional-feeling movie. And then you kind of switch it over to neon, bright, fast-paced, more action-y Batman Forever, which I think... Like you said, what's the pinnacle of comic book movies? I, I dare say 
it still is for live-action comic book movies. And I'm going to elaborate on that because I feel like a lot of... When you see behind-the-scenes for MCU movies nowadays, it's just guys wearing mocap suits in front of a green screen. And it's like, where did the craftsmanship for filmmaking go? Like, I almost consider MCU films animated movies. Like in the same vein of what Robert Zemeckis was doing in like the mid to late 2000s and early 2010s. Like that really uncanny valley animation, like Mars Needs Moms and A Christmas Carol. Yeah, for sure. And I just, I think Batman Forever was like the last true movie, comic book movie made with people and set pieces and stunts. So that's just my take on it. But I digress. Batman Forever is a great movie. Yeah, I I mean, I'm inclined to agree. And and now that you've mentioned it, I'm probably going to watch that movie tonight. (laughs) All that pops into my head when I think about that movie is Nicole Kidman's portrayal of Dr. Chase Meridian. My God, she was smoking in that movie. Like, no pun intended because Jim Carrey's in that movie. But wow, like the chemistry between everyone in that film is... It's just top notch and it's just a really, really, really solid movie. But I I'll just say right now, you hundred percent have my support to get that poster and line it with some LED lights. I think that would be awesome. Thank you. I would also like to hear what our listeners think about this poster. So please email us with your thoughts on the poster. I'd love to hear it. But I think that's enough of a tangent on probably one of the best movies ever made Batman forever we'll save movie discussion for yeah well we'll save movie discussion for our separate podcasts it it's totally gonna end up being another podcast where we just talk about movies isn't it oh f- yeah so I think that's enough talk about movies for now we're definitely gonna go more in depth in the movies on our own solo podcast and we'll have some other projects we're announcing here coming up because we just can't stop talking about movies sometimes Actually, at that, let's go ahead. I told you guys we'd have a 30-second clip of my Muppet podcast. So let's go ahead and play the first 30 seconds of Puppet Modcast that will be coming soon to the Oddity Network. The movie, which is classified as a musical comedy, much like other Muppets movies, was released on December 11th, 1992, which is actually a few weeks before I was born and it grossed $27.2 million against a budget of $12 million, which was seen as a disappointment by Disney, who had placed a very high expectation on this film's performance. All right, so that was Puppet Modcast. That's a little preview of what we're gonna be doing on that show. Like I said earlier, this is just a me solo project, but I hope everyone sticks around to listen to it. Now, getting back to the stories that our listeners submitted, I actually have a really good one here. It was submitted by one of the top supporters of this show. She won the first gift card contest we did. She sends in suggestions all the time. She gives us reviews, everything. My mother. So I'm going to go ahead and read this story from my mom. Who? She's the best. Yes, she's awesome. I love my mom. What I'll say is, and I said this earlier, this is the story. It scared the out of me as a child. She had told this to me, and I couldn't, like, 
I couldn't look out a window for weeks. I was scared It kind of helped fuel like my love of the paranormal. And like I said earlier, I knew once this podcast happened that we were going to talk about this. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and read this story and we can discuss it. I was about two or three. We lived in a house with a big picture window in the front. The sofa faced the window. If you were sitting on it, you were facing the window. The front door was to the left of the window. To the side of the sofa on the left wall was a smallish TV. I was sitting on the sofa under a crochet blanket. It was one of the blankets that purposely had holes in it that were made into the pattern. I was under this blanket sitting with a Barbie doll. I was pretending I was camping while watching Mr. Rogers. When I hear a noise, I look up at the window. I see a large, thin creature covered in black fur. It was incredibly skinny, with long arms and sharp claw-like nails that were a dingy color. It was sort of crouched down, peering at me. Its face was more like a lion-human hybrid, and it was grinning. It had pointy teeth with fangs. Its eyes were cat eyes in a greenish-yellow color, and its hair was more of a dusty black short lion mane mess. I freaked out. It sees me through the blanket. It starts tapping on the window. I screamed for my grandmother. She was in the kitchen doing dishes. She came running. The creature disappeared. I start telling her there's a monster on the porch. She goes and looks. She says there's nothing out there. She goes back to her work. At this point, my heart is pounding. I sit there and go back to Mr. Rogers. By this time, I'm out of the blanket. All of a sudden, there he is. He's outside the window, hopping around and banging on the window. I scream. My grandmother comes running. He disappears. She starts looking at me weird. She knows I'm terrified, but she sees nothing. She leaves. He comes back. The creature seems to get excited when I look at him. This time it's banging on the window with a newspaper that had been delivered earlier. I call my grandmother. Before she arrives, the hand with the paper smashes the window. Glass everywhere. I remember crying and trying to tell her and my mother what I saw. Nobody believes me. They blame the paper boy. Later that day, the paper boy and his mom come to the house. My grandmother is arguing that the paper boy broke the window. The mom says when. The grandmother named the time. The paper boy's mother shook her head and said, no way, he was in school at that time. So I piped up that the black monster broke the window, which brought about evil looks. Fast forward to the next place we lived. There was an old wooden porch in the back. We were on the second floor. I was a bit older at this time, maybe four years old. My mom used to let this cat in and feed it. So one time, the cat was eating. The mom was sitting in the kitchen table by the door. I asked if I could pet the cat. She said yes. So I sat there petting the cat when I heard the bottom screen door creak. I looked towards the door. The same creature is standing half in and out the door. It was grinning at me. I screamed and dove back into the apartment. Now, she saw this thing twice. It was incredibly skinny, it had a really thin, skinny waist, those freaky nails, the weird teeth and eyes. 
and would creep around and disappear. What she saw definitely wasn't human. If anyone knows what this is, I'd love to hear about it, but one of my siblings had suggested that maybe it liked the fact that she could see it, so that's why it got excited the first time. But no one's really sure why or how it would find her the second time. But that... That's a story that scared me to death as a kid. Holy f***, that is scary. <laughs> yeah, you, you told me that you had a story from your mom that I would really like. And, and man, I do like that story, but that is terrifying, oh, especially God, yeah. at that age. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do want to get into kind of a discussion about my thoughts on maybe what it is. So whenever you first started off, I thought maybe a traditional werewolf or wolfman. And then you kept going. And then I was like, no, that sounds a little bit more like a skinwalker. Yes. And, th- and then you had mentioned cat eyes. So I just did a quick Google search and I was like, I've heard of something like this before that's very feline. And there is a cryptid and a legend of a creature called a, and I'm going to probably pronounce this incorrectly, but it's from Japanese culture called a Bakaneku. Now this creature is basically what your mother described. Long claws, fangs, cat eyes very very slender and very feline the way it hops around and jumps around kind of thing i couldn't really find any information about what these creatures are or what they do just basically that they're kind of just like a wild animal they're very very notoriously difficult to control and i i think in my mind if for my money i would have to say it's something like this and still horrifying to think about, especially at that age, you see, you hear something tapping on the window, and then you see this very Cheshire cat-looking creature just looking back at you. And I 100% agree that I believe that since your mother was able to see it, it got excited because not many people can see it. And I don't know. I want to say that this encounter was not as malevolent as it sounds. It sounded more trickster in a way. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on this? I know that you've probably, you've heard this story so many times over your life. I know you have a theory. This is actually, my mom doesn't like to tell this story. She's told it to me. This is the third time she's ever told it to me, actually. I first heard it when I was like eight years old. So I've known about this for 20 years, and I've always tried to place what the hell it could be. And my first thought was a skinwalker or a wendigo, but it, I don't think a Wendigo would have fit, but I thought Skinwalker. But then you said the Bakaneko, which I could definitely see, especially reading it as you were describing it. Yeah, I could see that. I could also see it is the most un what's the word? unoriginal name, but there are there is a werecat phenomenon in the Americas. Yeah, there um, is. In pre-Columbian Mesoamerica, there were were jaguars, where priests or shamans would turn into these creatures like they they'd wear the pelts and they do a ritual to become jaguar warriors or jaguar knights mostly in the aztec culture i'm not sure how an ancient aztec god made its way up to illinois but that like it's just it's such a strange story and i think you're right and i think my, my siblings are right that it definitely got excited when it knew it was being seen and it was like the hopping around, the tapping the window, the the, the, the giant f- 
grin on its face. It is honestly the scariest story, and I know she doesn't like to tell it in case it comes back. So, that's really, that's really all I can think of is, it might be what you're talking about, the uh, uh, Bakaneko, but maybe it wasn't as malevolent as we thought. Yeah, and that goes to a theory that you and I have shared before, that just because it's called, there is a, just because there's a name of a creature encrypted called a Bakaneku does not mean that is 100% what it is. There could be something that we have no idea about that falls kind of into this into this place. Is it a werewolf? Is it a werecat? Skinwalker? Bakaneku? Is it a trickster demon? What we have no idea what it is. And I think that's that's something that gets me super excited about cryptozoology is there are so many species of animals that are discovered each and every single day that there has to be some that we have completely overlooked some that are smart enough, some are sly enough to stay hidden from the view of humanity that are definitely out there. And I think that this is definitely one that maybe for some reason it's not able to be seen by everyone. It can only be seen by certain people who possess a certain sensitivity to it. And that's what really drove the encounter to make it seem like it was very confrontational whenever it was just, it really just wanted a connection of some sort to somebody who could actually see it yeah i agree i think especially when kids are younger because you'll hear stories all the time of children who are like two three four years old that are talking to someone and they're like oh who are you talking to and then they'll describe to a t a dead relative or a dead family friend or a passed on family friend so, so i do think children are more susceptible to seeing ghosts demons monsters but I will say, what are your thoughts on this being a thought form? Like a creature formed out of pure thought. And that's a, an idea that we've brought to this podcast before. It's called a tolba or a thought form. That could very well be. I mean, there's no telling what our minds are actually capable of because we don't fully understand what our minds are able to fully do. And... Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it makes sense for a lot of cryptids, if we're being completely honest, that mass hysteria has driven a lot more sightings of different creatures, cryptids, aliens, UFOs, and things of that nature, because we are maybe making them a reality. And maybe they once they become a reality, they kind of take on a life of their own. So yeah, I think that's a great theory. And that's, that's personally one of my favorites that I just love. One thing about thought forms is I'm not sure if they can physically affect our world though. And, and this thing did break a window. So it was definitely, I don't know if it was malevolent. I've always seen it as malevolent, but when you said that it could just, it could have just been so excited about being seen that it just, you know how when people get excited, they just like tend to overdo it. That could have just been what happened here. But like I said, this story has scared me. And whenever I think about it, it gives me the, the creeps and it's been 20 years since I first heard it so what I like about cryptozoology though is we can't really place this creature exactly anywhere like it could be a bakaneko it could be a werecat it could be a were jaguar it could be bigfoot it could it could not be a sandhill crane I honestly think if someone says a sandhill crane they're getting popped in the chops but <laughs> in this case I don't know what it is. 
because like what what you brought up is the closest explanation I can think of. But then, where are the the long, weird-looking claws on it? So it's like I don't know if we'll ever 100% match what this thing was, but it, it did have the ability to disappear. And it kind of reminded me of the Twilight Zone episode. What was it? Terror at 20,000 feet? Yeah. Someone or something on the wing. A good old William Shatner. God. I know. He's the wow. best. <laughs> now, one thing I did want to bring up about this this encounter, this encounter that your mom had, is so you talk about the excitement that this, this creature had at somebody seeing it. And it immediately reminded me of when my daughter was a toddler. She would get so excited whenever we would be paying attention to her. Now, of course, I work from home. She still gets really excited whenever I'll stop what I'm doing work-wise, working on this podcast or whatever, and I give her my full undivided attention. She hops around like a crazed maniac, and she loves it. So maybe this was some sort of a toddler werecat that was just trying to figure out what it is. And it had no idea what was going on, but it saw your mom and she saw it and it got really excited. Like, hey, there's there's someone who can see me. And it translated to your mom as sheer terror. Now, another cryptid that this very well could have been as well is a run along that we kind of talked about a couple episodes back. The creatures that everybody used to imagine that would run alongside the vehicles on long road trips. What if this was a run along that your mom was able to see that was not running along, but it was still so excited that it was able to be seen by somebody, but it didn't know quite the rules of being a run along at that point in time. And I know this story kind of got brought back to the forefront after she had heard our unidentified humanoids episode, which is quickly becoming one of our more popular episodes that we've ever done. So maybe this is unearthing a lot more past encounters from people who have seen things they can't explain. It could be a run along. I don't know if it if it fits the description so much of a run along because I always saw them as light beings or shadow beings, but it, it very well could be. One of us says it each episode. None of this is fact. I could we could be entirely right about what, what we're saying right now, just like my theory last week on the aliens and the Mandela effect. Yeah, hundred percent. Now, as I'm sitting here, I keep checking my window because. Very much so like the black-eyed children. This is a phenomenon that I do not want to come across. But I do want to invite all of our listeners out there. If you have stories similar to this creature and this cryptid, please send them our way. Let's get some more information on this unidentified cryptid. Let's get it out there and let's let's do all we can to put a name to it. And of course, also, let's share the stories. And that way it's something that doesn't have any power or hold over you by getting it out and talking about it and letting other people know that you're not alone when you experience these things. Yes, exactly. I would love to hear if anyone else has encountered this creature, especially if you're in like that Illinois, Indiana area where, where, where my mother was. I'd love to hear if you've encountered this creature and what was your encounter? What do you call it? Is there a name for it already that we're not thinking of? Because I'd love to have our podcast coin the name for a cryptid that no one else has really figured out yet. Yeah, that would be a huge feather in our cap. But yeah, I mean, that's just something that I want to hear more stories about this creature and see what its demeanor is 
based on more stories, get some more sample data, see if this creature is malevolent or if it is just lonely. We never know until we get more information. Yes, and I know that's all the stories we have today. Let's go ahead, though, and circle back and let's give our 1 to 10 ratings on these stories. So Ashley's story that you read earlier, let's do a 1 to 10. How confident are you this was a real-life ghost encounter? Or was it all a dream? Yeah, this story is 100% a archetype of a ghost story. So if anybody ever tells you a ghost story, it's very similar. Phantom smells, phantom voices, even the physical world being affected by something that's not being seen. So for me, I and knowing Ashley, this story is a, is a 10 out of 10. I know that she's experienced this and I 100% believe that she did encounter something. And I 100% believe that that was a spirit or a ghost or a group of ghosts or spirits. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with 10 as well. Like you said, this is the archetype for ghost encounters. Everything was just on point there. So, yeah, I have no reason to doubt this story at all. This was definitely a top-notch ghost encounter. Probably the most complete ghost encounter that I've heard, at least. Like, outside of seeing them, this is the most complete thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I agree. Now, moving on to your mom's story about the, I don't even know what to call it. I guess the cat-eyed entity or something like that. I'm not sure what to even call it, but yeah. what, what is your rating on this? This is a story that you've grown up with. And unfortunately, this creature in this cryptid is kind of like a creepy uncle to you guys at this point. I think for me, I'm going to give it a 10. I am 100% confident this thing exists. Whether or not other people have seen it, though, is kind of where I'm weary. It, it could be a thought form. It could be a billion other things. But I'm going to say a 10. I'm 100% confident this exists. And I want to hear if anyone else has ever seen it. Yeah, I'm going to go full in on this one as well. I know that a lot of people have had experiences with dark entities and shadowed creatures and things like that. But a fully formed corporeal being, flesh and blood, something like this, I mean, your mom has never given me any reason to ever doubt her so 10 out of 10 on this but one thing i do want to say is i really hope that this creature is not hereditary in any way because unfortunately demonic creatures and presences they do tend to latch on to lineages and families so i hope that i really do hope that this is a benevolent creature and it's misunderstood and it, it's not something with malevolent intent for your family yeah, 100%. I think at this point, was my sister has one kid who is eight or nine years old at this point. No reports of seeing it yet so far from that one, but she is due to have her second child any day now. So we'll see. We'll see if it follows. And of course, I have, I have two brothers who have yet to have children. I myself have yet to have children. So we'll see if this thing comes around and starts bothering our children again. But I think with that, we are going to put a bow on this episode of listener submitted stories. I had a great time reading these stories, listening to these stories. This is really the first time in a while that we've gotten to just sit back, read stories and talk about them. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I know that Ashley shared another story and I know that you said your mom and some of your family members have other stories too. So this is something we want to do maybe 
a couple times a season, kind of compile and build a database, so to speak, of listener stories and just to share them and get them out there. So thank you so much to Ashley and Joe's mom for sharing your experiences with us. It, it means the world to us to kind of talk about them and theorize what these creatures and experiences are. Yeah, and with that, we are going to go ahead and let you know that next week we're going to be talking about the Hopkinsville Goblin. I'm really excited about this. This is more of an alien encounter story, but it's a great story, and I'm so excited to talk about this one. Yeah, this one's going to be a lot of fun. It's very similar to some that we've kind of tackled in like very short segments here and there. I'm always excited about anything that could be either an alien or a cryptid, something that's completely unknown and 100% unexplained. These ones are always my favorites. But let's go ahead and just say that Oddity is written and produced and edited by me, Joe, and Keith. All audio is used under the protection of fair use. And this is an Oddity Studio production. Reach out to us at podcast at oddity.studio or at oddity2 on Twitter. Once again, oddity T-O, like Terrell Owens. Until next time, when we talk about the Hopkinsville Goblin, I have been Joe. And I have been Keith. And please remember, if you see any cat-eyed creatures tapping and knocking on your window, tell them to keep knocking, but he can't come in. Keep your cats inside. <laughs>